0: listening to more than a season podcast with ashley and Brittany. join us as we walk through what life is like supporting someone within the sports industry
1: real authentic behind the scenes look at what the support system experiences but no one discusses grab a drink sit back and listen because we are about to get real
0: hey you yeah you stop listening press pause and if you're on apple podcasts scroll down to the ratings and reviews select five stars and give us a review And if you're on Spotify, click our podcast
1: page and click follow and download to listen to all of our episodes. Thanks so much. Enjoy this episode. Hello. Hello. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back to more than a season podcast. Of course, it's time for another wonderful interview. And this is a veteran member of the sports industry. And we like to kick it off by having her introduce herself. So we're going to toss it on over to her.
2: Hey, I'm Tessa Stromdahl, and I'm I'm married to Brad Stromdahl, and he is at Georgia State University. I'm head coach for baseball. We're based in Atlanta, Georgia, and we've been here together for about 16 years. And He's been head coaching at Georgia State for about two years, but he's been in the industry for over two decades at this point.
0: So whenever people say that, we're like, okay, take us on <laughs> back. Take us back to the very beginning when you guys first met and you first realized he was going to be a baseball coach. We want to hear all about that.
2: So picture you this, Central Michigan University in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. We we met in grad school and he was already working as a graduate assistant coach at the time and we were introduced through a mutual friend. In fact, her husband was the assistant coach for the baseball team and she was uh, a year behind me in our graduate program and so As it goes, i just broken up with a boyfriend and wasn't interested in anything. And, you know, we were, we were young, but it was, it was really fun to sort of meet him when he was sort of at the ground floor paying his dues, as he likes to say, you know, he's totally nuts. He loves baseball and, you know, Michigan is known for punishing winters and crummy springs. And when we were first dating, it would have been their home opener weekend. It was March and there was still quite a bit of snow and ice on the field and he shoveled the entire infield and came up with a system to use hoses and drain the entire infield and outfield through the dugouts, because there was an elaborate drain system. And like, I I brought him coffee at midnight and brought him some Jimmy John's and he kept pushing through. And because he's such a bull, they ended up playing, the coach was ready to call the game because there was still so much snow and ice on the infield. So he came up hard in the Midwest uh, system, he did a graduate assistantship, Central Michigan and at Marshall, but sort of broke his teeth at Southwest Minnesota State where he was a player himself and then sort of matriculated through the program. So he was one of those lucky people who just sort of knew right away that maybe playing professionally wasn't in the cards for him, but coaching and staying a part of baseball long-term surely was.
1: All of that is just so amazing. The dedication to shoveling the field like that. I think that's incredible because a lot of people don't even think about the weather that you would have to go through in Mm. order to play games up there. So that just shows his work ethic and right off the bat that he was in it to do anything to get that game to go. Did you know anything about baseball or were you just like, I have no idea? (laughs)
2: I, I happen to really like baseball. I played softball in high school, wasn't top of the roster, but like, whatever I could hold my own behind the home plate but I grew up playing just like neighborhood ball and like appreciate what it represents and like Americana and childhood for a lot of people so of all of all the sports Brad could be doing I was like well baseball's the one I tolerate the best so this is great <laughs> um but but I do happen to love the game and like I share that story I hadn't thought about it in a minute with us knowing that it was defining for us in our in our relationship you know we weren't yet engaged or anything but I could see what it meant for him and he could see that I made space for it and, you know, could support in my way. I'm not going to shovel with you, but I will bring you coffee. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, I like baseball a ton. And now we have two little boys who are totally into it.
0: That's so funny. I love that you put that that way, though, because I think that's important to notice that we're maybe not out there doing as much hard work as they are physically but we are doing things you know behind the scenes or bringing them coffee or you know supporting them and mm-hmm. cheering them on so I think that's really important to put, to put that that way mm-hmm. so after he was a grad assistant, what was like his next step? Did you guys have to move somewhere? It's been such a funny ride. So let's see, I came to Atlanta during
2: our, my graduate program for an internship and went back to Michigan, just to sort of, you know, finish up the formalities for the program. And we were both finishing up. This was spring of 2006. And he took a summer coaching job for the Woodbats league in Thunder Bay, Ontario. So he, he went to Canada and I was figuring out the next move. In the meantime, we'd, we'd become engaged, which we were both delighted about, but we hadn't like landed a job, either one of us. And we knew that would come, but we also were so prepared for perhaps being on different coasts or it could have gone any which way, but because he was like on the road in Thunder Bay Ontario, he empowered me to like put his resume and cover letter out for baseball jobs. So I was on abca.com all the time and a position opened assistant in in Atlanta, Georgia State. And then my former intern supervisor had gotten in touch with me. She's like, Tessa, we have a position open. We would love you to consider applying and coming back. So in the span of about two days, i had applied online for both of us. We hadn't talked in a day or two because of his schedule. So he called me a day or two later. He's like, Tessa, I just got a, a phone call from the Atlanta director at Georgia State. I was like, oh, I meant to tell you. Yes. I went ahead and applied for you. So following week, we were both flown to Atlanta because I was still in Michigan at this point. And of course he was in Canada. We were interviewed hired and in two weeks time we were driving down and staying with his cousins in a suburb of atlanta so it happened quickly it happened where neither one of us felt like there was tremendous compromise i was landing in my sort of field of choice he was absolutely making a good move forward and we were very prepared we bought a condo a few a few weeks later probably be here a year or two uh, seriously we the only move we've made is getting rid of that condo and buying a lovely family home in the Atlanta area we've been here the whole time we have not had to make crazy moves and you know we're so fortunate for that it means our network is very established <laughs> and I've been able to really dig into my career and of course he his. it's an unusual narrative for college sports it's unusual we, so my we, mouth <laughs> like
1: dropped it. I I just like applying <laughs> I just, that is incredible. Like you probably would not be where you are if you were not that persistent and, and did that. I just think that's amazing because in most sports industries, it's all about networking and who, you know, we have not, I don't think Brittany have interviewed someone that has applied for something. And I think that that is incredible that that's the way that it worked out and that you were able to plant your roots. So with your grad program, what mm-hmm. was your field? Because usually we follow their career, their dreams. So you stuck with yours. So what did you do with your graduate program?
2: Yeah, I'm happy to tell you. So he he obviously was like master's in sports administration and, and my master's degree is in communications with a concentration in political communications. And so my internship and then for seven or eight years was at an organization called the Carter Center, which is president Jimmy Carter's international nonprofit he established after his, after his time in the White House. And so I work in fundraising. So in the time, like, you know, before we had children, we were pretty deliberate about, eh, let's give ourselves some time and dig into our careers. You know, he had his baseball stuff taken up a ton of time and I would engage when I could, but in the meantime, like I was able to dig into really building my teeth as a professional. I went to like 20 different countries with the role, elections in Sudan and in Nepal and Kenya and just amazing friendships. And I recognize that that's not everyone's pathway, but for me, it was a delight that we both felt In our partnership, you know, I could support his aspirations. He absolutely supported my aspirations. He played on Atlanta's like nonprofit softball league. He was a ringer for us. Everybody was like, yay, Brad's here. (laughs) The baseball guy will hit home runs against CARE and American Red Cross and some of the other boys and girls club were very competitive. And then uh, let's see, he transitioned from Georgia State to, which is a D1 program assistant to building a brand new baseball program at an NAIA school just outside of Atlanta called Georgia Gwinnett College. And he pursued that pretty hard. It seemed like a really good opportunity for him. And he made that leap while I was on my maternity leave with our first baby. And seven years he was there, went to the World Series, three different years, just a real powerhouse program. And, you know, it was delightful to sort of see him make those transitions. And then at the same time, I transitioned from the Carter Center to Habitat for Humanity International, they're headquartered here in Atlanta. And so that's been deeply rewarding work. So nice when your professional aspirations connect with like your personal mission and personal ambitions. And so I've felt like I've been able to be as ambitious as I want. My career in fundraising takes, you said the word persistence, that is it. And so it's just been very cool to sort of bring that roll up the sleeves attitude to everything that we do as a, as a couple. And I would say like, given the amount of time we've been able to stay in Atlanta, I trust him. He's excellent in player development. His, all of his 80s are like, you're kind of a pain. <laughs> you're kind of a pain to have on staff from an administrative perspective. Cause he just, you know, whatever wheels and deals, but you are the best coach for a player I've ever seen. He involves himself deeply in the life of these guys. And he brings such fun and levity to the game. And you know, our boys are deeply exposed. So there's like a family atmosphere to it, which I really appreciate. And I admire who he is as a coach and sort of the resilience he brings to the game and he's teaching them to so many fabulous things. And so we sort of co-support each other. And I feel like, you know, if we had had to make different moves over the years, I think my pathway would be very different, but because we've had this rare instance where we can just dig into our life in Atlanta, I've really been able to build a strong sort of career network here. And he, the same strong sort of coaches, players, alumni network here as well.
0: That's amazing. You guys seem so passionate and hardworking. I don't know him, but I feel like I do from what you were describing. So you guys just seem like you really give your all to everything that you guys are passionate about. And that's really cool that you both get to follow your passions and You know, you don't really have to just do one or the other. That's really awesome that you guys have been able to do both. And this this long experience that you guys have been able to be in the same area is really cool, too. So with that, how do you spend time just you two? Because I feel like, you know, you're super busy. He's super busy. You also have kids. So how do you guys like find that time to connect with just you two?
2: It's such a good question. And we've been crap at it in different seasons and real good at it in different seasons. And so right now I would say we're real crap at it because, <laughs> you know, the peak of his season. But I have to say, like, of course, before we had children, we were pretty good about it. There, in fact, there are other couples we were very close with who were also in coaching. Like we took a trip to Italy together. Like We've been pretty careful about making, making moments and building experiences. You know, we text each other probably a thousand times a week, which is super annoying if you need to go back and find something. Thing, but I would say we just both operate from a place of like we totally trust each other. We know that we are expecting the best of each other. We assume the best of each other. And you know the last COVID's been so weird. And but but for his industry, it came to a grinding halt. And you know for me, it was like you know you're a working mother. Working moms are superheroes. Keep doing what you're doing. School the children. Disinfect everything. It's just <laughs> what? How do we do this? And he just didn't even think about it. Like he stepped into, you know, I said that he was the teacher for the kids when we were doing virtual school, but I was the principal. (laughs) (laughs) And the slowdown really was a gift in so many ways. It was such a whirlwind, you guys. He qualified for going to the NAIA World Series in May 2019 the ninth inning of that game. And I had a big work meeting, so I couldn't go, but I had the, the game on one, one monitor and was preparing for this board meeting in the other. And the commentator said something about, oh, put strong balls up, oh, put strong balls down. I was like, what? What is going on? He was in the dugout. He jumped up and caught his foot on the step going out of the dugout and ruptured his Achilles. That was on a Wednesday. He was assessed by Friday, in surgery by Monday, Flew out for the World Series on Wednesday. I had deep concerns about him flying from Atlanta to Lewiston, Idaho for this game. But I mean, he's got to go. He's got to go. And honestly, his staff was fabulous. Like the trainer stayed back and flew with him to make sure that there was no swelling or stroke risk or any of these sorts of things. His staff had like a little knee scooter for him with like streamers and a bell. And so he made the best of what was really terribly challenging situation and then let's see we'd had a long time family trip planned to see my sister in Alaska like the day after he got back from the World Series they did they did fine they did fine they didn't win the thing but and then you know we we flew we flew to Alaska and did Denali on his knee scooter like he just he just rolled with it and I just really admire the way sort of he goes with it and so when you go through things like this you just almost have to laugh but he's such a stabilizing no-nonsense person and I'm such a practical 10 steps ahead person that it ends up being a really fine balance and because of his knee scooter thing we got we got through the security lines immediately we got upgraded on every flight because kids are like this is amazing <laughs> don't get used to it guys but just to, to sort of land the plane here on your question I, I think we really really complement each other COVID meant things slowed down. We got a COVID hot tub. We got a COVID puppy. We got a COVID boat. Like we had a magical, magical summer. And it was his first season at Georgia State as head coach that was interrupted. And there was no part of him that was poor me. It was all about keeping the guys engaged, keeping recruiting efforts going, keeping, keeping people healthy. And that would have been a very, very difficult hand to be dealt. And so many of the guys just roll with it. And I think that comes from like the toughness you have to build, the catalysts you build up mentally in sports. So we made the best of it. And so now we're on the other side of it. It feels like, you know, they're playing. Thank God the kids went back to school about two weeks ago in person. They were virtual this whole time. Uh, My parents moved in because my father has stage four cancer. Brad didn't bat an eye. Like guys, it's been, it's been a ride. And so the game makes it fun. Like we go when we can, my dad enjoys it boys know how to like groom the infield and I love what it's teaching us around slowing down enjoying enjoying a slower pace mm-hmm.
1: yeah I love and I appreciate you sharing all of that because I know that is a lot and that I feel like this past year for everyone is really oh man it has taught so many things good uh-huh. and bad of uh-huh. what to just experience and I think that that is a wonderful perspective that you and your husband both have even set examples for your children of like hey this yeah. is Life And this is the chapter that we're in. And so we're going to make the most of this chapter. So Mm -hmm. your kids obviously watch you and your husband and this whole lifestyle that y'all have built around baseball. So do you feel like with your kids, they get it like they get the
2: timing why dad's gone so much? So, our children attend a really charming neighborhood elementary school, and I'm great with the ideas. I'm great with the execution. I signed them up for Career Day. And it was such a fun way for him to connect with the kids. So like he doesn't walk into a school anymore without getting a high five. They know who Coach Brad is, which is so sweet. He didn't even blink an eye, even though it was in the spring, in the middle of a season. I was just like, I think, I think, good for you to sort of connect this with the kids, and just it's fun. Kids aim to be the MLB guy, right? They want to be a Rod. They don't consider the, you know, the worker bees, the coaches who make it possible, right? They don't always sort of get the recognition, or, or kids don't even understand. Like I have a passion for the game, but maybe not the talent. What do I do with that? <laughs> So it was a really fun way for him to connect with you know the, the kids in our elementary school. But more than that, you know, he as a dad is fearless in the ways that he's willing to sort of bring the kids along with him because we've had to. We haven't always been fortunate to have family nearby. We have a strong village, I have other, you know, of course, friends and, and coaching moms who who get the lifestyle. But these boys, they understand recruiting. They know how to use a speed gun. They <laughs> understand the work, not just how you show up on game day, but all that goes into it. And, you know, we try very hard to when we're on, we're on. And then when we're doing family time, we've got family time, but you guys know how this is. Texts are constantly coming in and phone calls are constantly coming in and recruiting is recruiting. And so it's almost like a when we can, a seamless baton pass between, you know, what daddy's gotta do and I fill the gap. They adore their dad, but we have a deal like we're when they're six, it's sort of a milestone. They're allowed to go on one away trip with their dad. So it's usually just, you know, something two or three hours away on the bus. So our son, just the youngest last week, Hugo, was allowed to go to the Georgia State University of Georgia baseball game at Athens. And, oh my gosh, he was picked up from school early. He had to go to his dad's game. He was dressed up. He he understood, like the protocol on the bus you've got to wear the mask he understands bp they take bp but like you know what when brad would take them to practice the assistant coaches and the student workers they built bike ramps for the kids to ride the bikes in the outfield i mean he just makes it so fun and so they play hard and they recognize it's daddy's job and they know when to button it up but they've just been able to sort of have a front a front row seat and you know increasingly we give them a bit more responsibility and you know the road trip is a big a big dangling carrot for keeping it together you know if you you get your homework done, if you take care of the dog, that road trip is yours, buddy. So you know, Brad's just been fabulous about finding ways to sort of include the kids when it feels like it's a low risk situation and making it clear to me, I need I need focus right now. I need you to take the baton. So that's what we do.
0: I love the environment that you've built for your kids and I'm sure they're gonna appreciate that when they grow up and they can look mm-hmm. back on these mm-hmm. moments, those special moments, because that's really cool and it's important, especially when dad's gone all the time, like to have these special moments to be like, oh, but I remember when I did this, like that was so fun. That's right. So that's really yep. cool that you've you've built this environment for them, that they can feel a part of it too. And you talked about like the community part and I kind of want to touch on that because – Of course, now you've built an entire community, I'm sure, around you for being there for so long. But when you guys were first there, you mentioned you might only be there or you thought you might only be there for like maybe a couple of years. So how did you really dive into the community and kind of build that around you?
2: Yeah, that's such a great question, because I have to say, I think certain universities, certain jobs, certain coaching positions come with almost building community, building culture and so i think you know institution by institution that can look a little different and feel a little different i would say georgia state has come a long way and so you know in the time that we were there they established a football program. Gosh, it's 10 years in the making now. And so like that, I think, did a, a ton to sort of cement sort of like university identity, student athlete identity. But w- when we first started there, you know, b- before Brad left for Georgia Gwinnett to build that program, there wasn't much in the way of, of sort of culture or a strong identity. And so I know that he worked really hard to build on, like the foundation was there. So, so I didn't have, there wasn't like a group of like the coaches' wives weren't well-established and because it's Atlanta and where Georgia State is located, you don't have like a small sort of college town environment. It is thriving, throbbing metropolis and folks are very spread out. So you might see each other on game day, but you weren't necessarily, you know, stepping into like this backyard barbecue atmosphere and folks were welcoming for sure. But pretty quickly, it became clear, like, this was just something we would have to build ourselves. And so there were two other young coaches' wives who became dear, dear friends. We would get together and travel to away games when we could. Um, You know, now we're raising children together. So, like, we've been able to sort of figure a way for ourselves where there wasn't necessarily, at least in, you know, the... The community we were part of, a narrative that fit the life that we were trying to build for ourselves. So I would say, you know, the community was small. And plus we were young. We weren't that much older than some of the players' girlfriends. And so it was like, you know, a chummy environment, but we more or less were their peers. And so there was one very funny story about the team had progressed to regionals, which is a huge deal. And the game was far away, (laughs) it was um, coastal Carolina. So they were heading to UNC Wilmington for the game and another coach's wife and I were invited to ride with the head coach's wife, which was so sweet of her. And so we left at like 5 a.m. Atlanta time to get there in time for a one o'clock game. They won, it was just such a thrilling, thrilling time. We went out for a beautiful seafood meal, the whole staff. And then at the end of the night, we were prepared to ride back with the head coach's wife. And she said, we're gonna stay behind and make a weekend of it. We had to ride the bus home with the players. Oh my! And you guys, the bus broke down on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina, and we were stranded for six hours with no air conditioning and all of these smelly baseball boys. It was awful. It was awful. It was awful. It was so bad. It was so bad. It was, bad. It was so bad. We were, we should have been getting into Atlanta at like two a.m. and we rolled into Atlanta at like eight or nine a.m. and Uh, we like finally get to Georgia state and they're like, let, let Mrs. Strong go off the bus first. I was like, I'm going to kill all y'all. Like no more jokes, no more smells. But two of the guys on that bus trip, Brad married, he became ordained because he kept getting asked to marry like former coaches or former players. Like, so Amy, the relationships are intense, but I'm telling you what that other coach's wife and I huddled together with our hooded sweatshirts on saying, why are we in This situation. And I mean, you're bonded for life when you live through something like that with someone.
1: (laughs) I'm loving that story. I can't imagine. That is a rough night, but that is one that you will probably never forget, obviously, Um, from mm -hmm. that experience. (laughs) I do want to know how has the transition been from being the assistant coach's wife to a head wife? And what is, is there a, a difference do you feel? Or do you feel like now that you can kind of create some of your own traditions, now
2: that you have? You know the head seat. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's exactly right. You know, being the assistant coach of white was fine because like I, I felt very, very little pressure in terms of like you know parental stares or you know people might like pick my brain for things, but mm-mm. like I, I, I didn't feel like I had to give up much. And like I said, I mean we were we were digging into our our respective careers. So like I loved just bring a book, come to the game, get some sun go home. What I'm finding now as sort of a head coach's wife is for so long uh, I saw myself sort of no no different really than just, you know, somebody trying to make it all the other sort of either coaches' wives or girlfriends or even players, players' girlfriends. But uh, it's maybe been in the last year or two. I'm recognizing, no, I've got, I've got some lived experience here that might be useful. So it's a bit weird. Brad and I were just talking about it. Like we both still think we're 27. We're not, but it feels a little bit that way. And so I'm recognizing, like I'm a, I'm an open book and I, you know, I have, I think good, strong friendships with these people and, and I appreciate that. But I've, I think tried Mm -hmm. to keep a bit of a distance between say my relationship with parents in the stands. Like mostly because I'm running around after my children saying, please don't gargle Gatorade or, you know, whatever, but it's his business. Those are their, their children. I'm just a fan. I don't have any genuine vested interest in this other than, you know, seeing Brad successful. So where I think it's been great because we've been able to be in Atlanta so long is the energy we've been able to invest in like the young coaches that are coming through the system. We are, I think the only ones that are married and definitely the only ones that have kids at this point. Um, that's changed on and off over the years right like we've seen new babies be born and weddings happen and you know i love wedding season we probably get 10 to 15 invitations from either guys brad's coached or people he's coached with or folks in the network i I mean i love a wedding so you know I, i love the player development he owns that and i will cheer at every game and my boys love those players and those players are so generous to my children But where I feel like a role to play is actually in sort of mentorship with the young coaches and their sort of networks as they sort of think about families or professional moves or what comes next.
0: Yeah, I love that. I feel like that's an important role that you play. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's interesting to see the differences between different like sports in different places, because we kind of have the opposite where we're at. They're pretty much all married with kids and lots of kids. So it's kind of interesting to see like kind of how different people play different roles at different schools. So that's awesome that you've kind of taken on that as like mentorship. So with that, I want to ask you your number one piece of advice. If you could go back in time and tell your younger self something that you've learned that you know now, what would you say?
2: When push comes to shove, Brad will prioritize family. You don't have to be worried about that. I thought because like the fool shoveled an entire baseball field in the winter, like I had reservations around, you know, will I have to sort of pull him away from something that I feel is like, you know, family first, or can I trust him to make those decisions in real time, you know, knowing, knowing what's on his plate with baseball. And so, yeah, I I think younger me loved him, trusted him, but also saw how dedicated he was and wondered how hard that would be for him and of course he's fabulous and that hasn't been a concern and when it when it does encroach I feel very comfortable bringing it up and you know I think we're both each other's accountability partners in that respect we both really help anchor the other and so I'm glad that that worry and fear did not play out and I would tell myself chill girl
1: No, that's a good answer. And I kind of want to branch off of that because I want to know what you would tell a young girl that has just met the baseball boy and is about to do all this. So what have you found when you were mentoring these coaches and their young, you know, girlfriends and families?
2: What, what have you found is your number one thing you always end up saying? Just go with it. I think a good piece of advice just in general, if you're feeling conflict is like, let it simmer. You don't have to have it all figured out right now. You just you just need to know the next move. And so, you know, that's easy to say. I would probably have really different advice if we had, you know, been a family that's had to move a ton. Like purge, hang on to nothing. I don't know what it would be. But and we only say if we have to move, like Lord help us, this basement is very packed. Not a horror. Just why get rid of it. I have room for it. So, you know, I would say, you know, let it simmer. There's no need to sort of have every every move plotted. But you know, I, I have to say some we had so much fun when we were you know, before kids, we have fun now with children. Let me, let me be clear. But the way I could be involved in his work, we had like one very memorable recruiting trip to Henderson, North Carolina. Loved it. Cute little town. A steak dinner we both still talk about. They had this really good blue cheese dressing, watched a ton of baseball. I went on a hike. I've seen so many fun, interesting little areas of the South. And like I'm from Michigan. So it's been just such a cool way to sort of get the feel of a place outside of Atlanta. So, you know, where I could, I would join him on recruiting trips. Understanding baseball was, of course, like the, the thrust of it. So, you know, my advice would just be you know, go with it. And if if it truly doesn't feel like you don't do it, but I, I was very open to having sort of these, let's see what happens adventures. And I'm so thankful for that. I just love the way that
1: you word everything because Mm -hmm. we always love to hear everyone's stories and we always want to make sure that we are asking the type of questions that just are so inspiring and able to be helpful. And you have just taken it and ran with it. So we appreciate having
2: you on. Oh, Ashley but Brittany, you're welcome. I, like I said, when I first came across y'all, I thought, I thought, oh my goodness, this is just so neat the community you're you're building, and I love the way you've built this out. Just outside looking in, I think if this had been the kind of resource that was available when I was, you know, first finding myself in this world, maybe I would have done things differently, and maybe would have a little more boldly stepped into the role, played the cards that I I, I was dealt. But there's just no good reason not to be sort of making the most of of this sort of social media platform. And I love the idea of just building a class of, of ladies who support one another and, you know, there are different models out there for making it work. I know each industry is a little different and, you know, people bring, you know, different kinds of aspirations or baggage to the relationships. But this is this is really special. Thank you for what you're doing.
0: Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, everyone that is listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this interview on more than
0: a season podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at more than a season underscore women's guide for the latest updates. You can also follow our personal Instagram accounts at Ashley M. Kramer and Britt Labby. We would love it if you would download, subscribe, and leave us a review on your
1: choice of platform. Thank you so much. See you next time.